Welcome to Rocket Ship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm, as always, Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Cedric van Putten from the Netherlands, who is working for and at Expo, gives awesome presentations around the globe, and of course contributes to many of the tools we already love from Expo. Thank you, Cedric, for joining me today. Yeah, pleasure is mine. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's awesome because uh, I hope we can get some insights directly from the Expo core into uh, the cutting edge stuff you're working on. And I hope you can um, give us some information about the other tools you've been teasing. There's a lot going on with Expo SDK 49. You just, oh, well, actually a few weeks ago when this episode goes live, you had the Expo launch party um, teasing more stuff. But before we get into all of that, I have a very specific question for you. Could you let me know how's the, like, if I want a job at Expo, is it hard to get a job? Like, from, from your experience, could you, could you let me know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, my, my journey at Expo is also pretty interesting. Um, because I didn't start at Expo like right away. I worked at a, at another job at like uh, a startup incubator for seven years. Um, but then we were starting using Expo and it was around like, I would say SDK 12. So it was fairly Ooh. new. Uh, it was back in the days, everything was slightly different than it is now. Um, but since we were working with like multiple teams and fast iteration, I started building on tools to help uh, the workflow or the development with Expo. Um, at a point where I like started to get in contact uh, with Expo, I went to the first AppJS conf. And from there, I just fully started working on Expo instead. Um, so, I mean, that's how I got there. I mean, I'm sure you can get there too as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard from one of our first guests that your uh, initial recruitment process didn't went well, that you like failed your first interview. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, massively. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, but I mean, I recovered in other areas. That true. I would say. <laughs> Definitely true. So if I look you up online, I can like find very little information. Could you could you let me know or let us all know what you're actually doing at Expo? Oh yeah, that's that's a bit hard to define. It's pretty much everything. Um, as in, I joined Expo to work on customer relations and customer success. Mm -hmm. um, I did that for a while, and then I slowly moved back to engineering, what I originally was doing at my previous job as well. Um, but since Expo has so many different areas, like we have the, the, the open source project called Expo, which is Expo itself, as you know it. Uh, then we have EAS, which is like our services, which is closed source, but mostly backend related. Then we have Snack, we have CLI, VS Code, GitHub Actions, like pretty much anything related to there I, I work on. So uh, it's a lot, yeah. So how big is the Expo team that actually manages? I'm sometimes like fascinated then because you tell me all these services and then you say, yeah, we're like eight people or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we're bigger than that. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a lot for the amount we need to cover. Like um, we work together with Software Mention on the SDK side mm -hmm. where um, like we have we have a like a variable team at Software Mention working on Expo. Um, 
but overall I would say we have now 30 people uh, mm-hmm. around 30 people uh, in total or like in developers? total yeah. Yeah, that's still like it's still crazy because I assume you also have like enterprise sales for EAS going on. There are like at least a few people, yes. and like if you say thirty, it's basically like twelve core developers, maybe or something like that. Oh, well, almost all of us are developers, and that's there are cool. like there are some new people coming in that are less developer related. They are more marketing or whatever, but You're more news on that uh, later. Um, but most of us are just developers who are trying to do marketing with tweets or trying to do <laughs> uh, newsletters and those kind of yeah, things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. let me know what works. I'm, I'm still trying to figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> Everybody still is. So uh, I always have the uh, appointment in my calendar where the guests can put in uh, a topic for the podcast. And, and you vaguely put in that one question. So... I do have a question on my mind, but what was the one question you were thinking about when you scheduled that podcast? So when I was in London, I got this mysterious message from both you and uh, David Lejeux, if I yeah, pronounce it correctly. Yeah, 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 he was like the first guest, right? Yeah, you were both asking like, hey, could you come on without preparation for one question? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I guess he was referring to to the interview stuff as well, because <laughs> yeah. he pointed that out. Yeah, yeah, but I guess I guess my question that I was have thought of was um, my current popular video: Should you use Expo in twenty twenty three? Oh, Could you give, <laughs> yeah, maybe you can give an answer to that as well. Because um, so let's go, get a bit technical here. I yeah. made that video because. When I started with React Native, they said, use the React Native CLI or use Expo. And I'm like, yeah, just tell me what's better. I don't know. I have no clue what I should use. So I, I made my little Gandalf journey into the archives and found the videos from Ben Awad and from everyone using React Native from three years ago and everything they brought up against Expo. And then I looked up your stuff now and I found like, well, that's actually completely not true anymore. So I made this video and I basically say, yeah, just use Expo. And there are still people saying, yeah, but the React Native CLI and you got more freedom. And I just want to hear from you. I know it's probably a bit biased, but is there a reason not to use Expo anymore? I mean, the short answer will be no. Um, like we're we're also still battling with like the outdated information about Expo. Um, I think like n- not too long ago, Expo was actually featured on Hacker News. And I thought like Hacker News are a bunch of people like always on top of their game, always mm-hmm. on top of their tech stack. Um, and then if I like when I read the comments, I, I got a bit sad. Like they are still putting bringing up arguments that were maybe true like three years ago. Um, and at least in the like three to two years ago or since two to three years ago, we've worked hard on like removing all those limitations, removing the the things that people turned off from Expo back then, like um, not being able to add your own custom native modules, for example. Um, and we've moved past that. But there are so many people online that still think that Expo is that like that weird JS only version uh, that we once had. Uh, or people bring up eject, which is that for like <laughs> two years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I made that tweet or something as well. Like whenever somebody just says the words expo and eject, just stop listening. It's completely yeah. outdated. Whatever is in that post or or tweet. 
Yeah. So, like, I mean, I'm I'm also going on Reddit or going on Twitter and trying to combat that. But... Are you the person who's commenting on everything in Reddit? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not the one. If Are if they... you should Somebody be able to like spot this me. Tech. Um. Yeah. Is it Charlie. Like, I mean, I, th I think we have Tomas, James, and some other people from okay. Reddit, including Aman and maybe maybe Evan. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you probably have seen me answer something or correct something. Um, but yeah. But but yeah. Long story short, you can you can use Expo for whatever you want now. Like there is no difference anymore in uh, the React Native Community CLI and Expo. And there are even some features that are only possible with Expo for now, um, which are uh, pretty much anything related around Expo Router. Um, it uses some React, like some newer uh, APIs that have been introduced in Metro, uh, pretty much by Evan, like uh, adding that feature in Metro directly with the help of Meta, of course. Um, but those don't really work properly yet in the React Native Community CLI. Okay. Yeah, router is another topic, and I'm probably oh, going to yeah. bring on Evan as well uh, because that could fill a whole episode on oh, its yeah. own. Yeah. Um, so, so that basically means if I use Expo for React Native, there are not really any limitations anymore. Like, I can no. always go into pre-built or a custom dev client, and I get like 100% freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You have pretty much the freedom to whatever you want to do. Uh, whether that be installing a React Native module that like also works in the React Native community CLI uh, that has like native native code, you can just use that locally. Um, if you don't want to build locally but on EAS, just install it and build it with EAS, and it works fine. Um, there are like no limitations anymore, um, but there are some improvements. Uh, I would say over React Native Community CLI. Um, I mean, Evan has said this at AppJS already, right? Um, that with pre-built, you can basically continuously native natively generate those files. Uh, and those files, I mean the Android and iOS folders, right? Um, but some of those modules or some of the packages require some additions to configuration natively or maybe some changes in the actual code natively. And with pre-built, you can just generate that on the fly. Um, like if it has a plugin and you add it to your manifest, you can regenerate based on even a new React Native version template, uh, including whatever modules you have installed locally. Um, so it basically solved one of the biggest pain points in like the React Native survey or something like that done by uh, Software Mention in 2022. And not a lot of people, like I would say, know how f how useful this can be. Um, but yeah, it's like pre-built is also targeting upgrading, not just like the the being able to build locally. Yeah, it's funny how I exactly had the questions. Are there any limitations when using Expo? And you already answered that with a with a clear no. I mean, <laughs> some, what I usually read is like the Expo notifications stuff doesn't work great. In-app purchases is somewhat like a critical topic that's not working great. Um, what's your point on those, especially on those two? Yes, and both are actually valid. Like um, currently, our Expo notifications API is um it's basically 
it has a very limited set of functionality that you can use over alternatives that you can also use. Uh, things like um, uh, one signal, I believe, yeah, has I like way more functionality that you can use right away. Um, so in terms of notifications, yes, that's definitely correct. It's a, I would say a light version of what's already out there. But as we just discussed, you can just use that instead of the Expo Notifications API. Like yeah. you're not limited to that anymore. Yeah, by, um, by the way, I, I got to give the Expo Notifications a plus point. So I recently created a course for Galaxies on Expo push notifications, and I found your great push notifications testing tool, uh, yeah. which works pretty flawless. So that generates like a custom ID on the device, and you put it in, and boom, you can use it even with a CLI. Um, but Expo is also not doing or just can't do what one signal is doing. So one signal is doing push notifications or in-app messages on a like huge scale with marketing. They you can put your users into segments and different groups and target on country based or whatever. Um, you, yeah. you just like would need a team of ten developers alone just to implement that stuff. And I think you just having a basic implementation of push is good. And for uh, in-app purchases, I actually used both Revenue Cat. I think that's the one you recommend. I would also say you should also recommend Glassify, which is catching up very uh, strongly with Revenue Cat. So I've been working with Reven uh, with Glassify a few times, and they're pretty awesome because they're also Euro-based and like the security stuff around oh, purchases and things. Um, so that's pretty cool. So. That's cool that there are no more limitations when using Expo, but I want to put one thing in here that I found was actually a valid argument for learning React Native CLI. And that is, if you're a consultant and want to get into old projects from clients, you probably need to understand what the React Native CLI is doing. I mean, that's a valid argument. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I would say like that's more in a term of brownfielding, right? As in um, like the brownfielding an old React Native app that you inherit from somebody else or uh, trying to add React Native to an existing app that was built fully native or, or with something else. And like, I have to admit, like we don't do a very great job yet with the brownfield story. I think we could improve there a bit. Um, so yeah, I would agree that's a valid argument for yeah, just trying to learn React Native Community CLI as well. If we are in the field of uh, recommendations for improvements, um, so coming new to Expo, oh boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's actually good, but I found it to be very confusing how I can build my app locally in the different ways. So, I mean, for people completely new to native development, it's great that there's EAS and that I can like easily get my app on the device. But I was coming from, I was actually initially a Swift developer and then I worked with Capacitor Cordova. So I always had my iOS and Android folders and I have no problem getting into Xcode or Android Studio. And I was like, where are these folders? I just want to like open my native project and deploy it. And it was so complicated like to do a pre-build and then start. And then it also still needs to start Metro. And if Android is not running, I can't see my app. Like all this stuff of just like, I just want my app on the device. Um, and later on, I found that you can actually do EAS builds locally, which I found pretty awesome. Like I, I do this all the time when I do my tutorials because I don't want to wait and it just takes like three minutes and it's doing everything locally. So I think like just outlining the different build options you got with Expo to people coming to it and making it clear, okay, this is EAS, this is local, this is what you can do. Uh, that would really help. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. 
Um, yeah, I mean, we have EAS build dash dash local. I think you referred to that, right? right. Um, that works, but not everywhere. Um, for example, Windows is not supported, and that's because we, uh, when we generate those native files, uh, and we when we build it, we use things like Fastlane, um, mm -hmm. because we basically run the build with a pre-generated um, uh, configuration. Uh, but that doesn't work well on Windows for some reason, uh, okay. and there are some limitations that prevent us to just like only allow Android development through local on Windows. So we had to shut it off. Mm -hmm. That being said, I mean you can just spin it up in in an expo or sorry in a GitHub Actions runner that runs on Linux, and you should be fine. Um, but it is an interesting point that you raise because. Um, Back in the days when like Expo was pretty much locked in and you can only use Expo build, uh, there were no other build options than that. But now, like with pre-build and I mean the Expo run commands, you can build it however you want, right? Just like the React Native Community CLI. So to me, it's also interesting that people like this. Is actually, a very common question as well, like. People do not seem to realize that you can also build directly through Xcode or Android Studio if you pre-build those files, or like however you wanted to do with the React Native Community CLI, you can do it as well with Expo. So I mean, there's also a point towards I would say uh, Google and Apple that they have made such a complex system that it just yeah. doesn't make any sense for people coming from web to to build like your build or a build i mean for people coming from the web expo go and everything you got like to get started is just amazing it, it's mind-blowing how great it works and i guess those beginners definitely don't care about an ios or android folder uh, anyway so um maybe just getting the word out and i can i can help doing that in the future on how the different build options work uh will be sufficient so uh one question i also had about expo in general is how do you make money? Um, because that's <laughs> always an interesting thing. You're like, if you look from the outside, a lot of this open source. Uh, I mean, in your case, you already have EAS, um, but I saw you have big investor names. You actually have Paul Graham, uh, which is like one of the biggest names you can actually have as an investor. So is this like the plan? Is Expo currently doing well? Because I found this really interesting if you say like, eh, it's actually not going well, then people might be scared that like in three years, there's no more Expo. So whenever I talk to people, they want to be sure that the technology they're using, even if it's open source, that there's like a legit business model behind it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair question. And I can answer pretty simple. We are doing good. Um, <laughs> but let's say in case like we we weren't doing good at all. The Expo open source project is completely open source. Like we do not use anything closed source around that. So even if the company Expo fails and goes away, you can still build and use the code what's already out there. Um, like the services might be a different thing um, because that's hosted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we are doing good, and even in the most extreme cases that it that we weren't you can still use it. It's just open source. Um, but I mean, yeah, our, our EAS services, that's that's how we make money. Um, it's not just like building it, right? It's not just 
making sure we have a fleet of servers ready to build iOS apps or, or Android apps. It's way more than that because we also need to keep them maintained. Um, as you know, compared to web, uh, the native platform tends to break very often uh, <laughs> in every goddamn update. So yeah. that's like that's where we come in. That's what you pay for at, at uh, Expo Application Service. And a lot of people are actually paying for it, which makes us happy so we can invest more time into uh, the open source project and even finding different services we can work on. Um, but yeah, long story short, we were doing good. Is there anything else beyond EAS that you plan uh, on monetizing or is this like the main focus going forward into the next one, two, three years that you want to just stick to and build out, like just enterprise services? Yeah, so I'm not super involved anymore in like planning and, and what we're going to do uh, in the long term. Uh, but like EAS is a collection of different services, right? Um, and there are still so many things that we don't cover uh, that could help you improve your workflow around app development. Um, like, I mean, we we have a beta version of EAS metadata that basically allows you to push whatever binary you have directly to the App Store, but also update like all the uh, information that you have to provide on the App Store. And currently it's just only Apple. Um, and I think we can do a way better job there as well and expand that into Android or the Play Store. Um, and like that's that's even the open source part still. Um, uh, yeah, beyond... that, that should be possible with Fastlane, right? It is possible with Fastlane, but do you know how to set that up? Uh, not yet. <laughs> exactly. So like the whole idea of EAS metadata was that you don't need to set anything up. like. Right now, if you have an app on the 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 app the app store, and you want to set it up, the only th the only command you run is EAS metadata colon pool, and that downloads pretty much everything you already have in the app store to a JSON file. And within there, we can do some validation. Like for example, if you change anything in the JSON file, we can already provide you with the validation that will take you like through five steps with uh, unrecognizable error messages everywhere on the App Store itself or on App Store Connect. And we can do that locally for you. Um, so there's no setup. You can just pull and push it and delete it right away. Um, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So. That's, that was the idea of EAS metadata. Uh, but beyond that, there, there are also like so many things that we haven't covered. Like um, we were trying to go more into the testing area with EAS custom builds, um, where you can actually um, basically fully customize EAS build for each single step. So you can add steps, you can remove steps. Um, that was what you uh, released in the last Expo launch party, right? Yes, the, exactly. Yes, well, yeah. We re-released the preview. Like there are so many things still to be done for that to make it um, simpler or easier to use. Um, but yeah, that's I think a step in a good direction on our end. And yeah, we we're also discussing the pricing because well, since that the concept changed behind EAS build, we probably should update the pricing in a way that it also makes sense. 
but yeah. Yeah, yeah, I heard you. I, I talked to Aaron uh, Bereskin. Uh, we had a live stream about this stuff, and uh, he also said, like, you can basically now run any code within those actions. So I also said, like, well, maybe I can just spin up some random cloud function that runs, like, a, a few minutes. And uh, I guess you need to figure out those edge cases right. and, and make sure that people don't do things they shouldn't do. Yeah, I th like I think we're already secured against uh, crypto mining, so don't try that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like we we probably need to rethink a couple of things around that. So we just released it as a preview, so people can try it out, give us feedback, uh, and we can iterate on that. Yeah, I think EAS in general are a great service, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, what comes to it in the future. Uh, speaking of making things simpler, I want to transition this into a bit of talk about debugging because oh, oh yeah, you like that, huh? Yes. <laughs> um, so this has been usually like a few days ago. I asked something on Twitter like, "What's the thing you hate most about React Native?" And debugging was at least every third or fourth answer. Um, so you are very much involved as well with the Visual Studio Code extension. You unified everything under one extension right now, as far as I can see. Uh, what are the plans for that Visual Studio Code extension and how will you make debugging better at Expo? Okay, so it might be fun to just start with how that extension came to life. Like, yes, please. I, I wasn't like, I was working for Expo full time for a couple months and I think it was like during an SDK release that we did where we accidentally forgot to update the documentation for like half a day or something like that. Um, it, it, I mean, it happens to everybody. It happens. Anyway, um, so I got a bit, um, not necessarily upset, but annoyed uh, because I wanted to test it, see if everything still works uh, and, and well, if the improvements were as good as I, we hoped them to be. Uh, but I had no idea what the configuration options were for the manifest. So out of frustration, I basically looked at how we generated that internally and found a way to slap that into a VS Code extension. So I don't have to wait on the docs anymore and it is right in my editor instead. And that's how, well, the VS Code extension came to life. Um, I always wanted like to integrate like the debugging part into it but since we're using like a really really weird model for uh jsc where we basically pull out the whole engine out of the app into a browser on your computer it wasn't like really feasible it, it, it would take a really really long time to get that working so we just ignored it for some time uh up until recently where the hermes team itself were i think are just more focused around CDP since, well, they want to improve Hermes. Um, and the React Native team uh, is like moving their their attention from um, Flipper more to the Chrome DevTools protocol. Mm -hmm. And that's like the perfect moment for me to try it again. And it turns out that you can actually like reuse the existing debugger in VS Code and probably other editors as well to just connect to your app right away. like. Everything is already there since you can also debug node scripts, right? And right. it's literally using the same adapter as I think VS Code calls it to run it, to connect it to your uh, phone. There are like some weirdness that I have to offset for, like the protocol is big and not everything is implemented yet in React Native or in Hermes. So I have to make some shortcuts here and there, but 
like I'm pretty happy with the end result right now where you can just press play and it guides you through the whole step to connect it to your phone or to any device what like if it's a simulator emulator your actual phone it doesn't matter um, and then it just gives you all information that's available within your app and that's something that hasn't been possible in a while like maybe ever for react native but i'm very glad we're focusing more on that now yeah, with Expo uh, SDK 49, you already introduced the network debugging, which I found to be like, <laughs> I know it's it's a big thing for the React Native community, but as a web developer, I was like, yeah, of course it should be there. <laughs> yeah, but imagine if it wasn't there. Like imagine, right. I, imagine, imagine web where you couldn't use the network inspector. That's insane, <laughs> right? That's so hard to use. So yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad it's there. Yeah, yeah. The other day, I was I was doing some Flutter work, and I tried to debug the network calls of a Flutter app. Oof, that was another story <laughs> as well. Uh, you had to also Oof. run a different view and get into that. So yeah, I think that's a great approach. And uh, with the launch party, you announced support for basically transferring Flipper plugins into the Expo world. I think you made like a first initial draft of how that could work, right? Yeah, it, it wasn't you personally, but yeah. yeah. So like everything around debugging, uh, it's mostly Kudo Kudo Chen, who is also working at Expo, and me trying to connect the dots and like various tooling. <laughs> um, uh, but Kudo is definitely also working on plugins since we already get requests like, hey, where is the the, the Apollo uh, Dev Tools or where are the React DevTools or even the React Native debugger things, whereas Redux. And um, like we are also in a um, in a monthly group, like Expo, um, that basically chats with Meta, with like all other partners, like not only just, just Expo, but everyone about the current state and the direction of debugging. And one of the things there is they're really focusing on making a solid foundation first. Like we kind of went uh, a bit faster, and I mean that's that's yeah. fine because um, somebody has to like has to do it, right? Somebody has to test it. Somebody has to improve it. And I think with all the feedback that we're gathering now, we can improve it for uh, the next React Native version. Um, but in there, they also mentioned that. A plugin is like definitely something everybody wants to talk about and implement. Um, but like the way it went with Flipper is not the greatest. So everybody wants to take it easy, take it slow. So I'm really happy that Kudo is basically moving fast there as well. <laughs> um, but the way you have to open things right now through like uh, basically the Shift M menu in Expo CLI it's not ideal and preferably we can just use the same system but open the dev tools with the extension from that package instead mm. because right now you have to run npm install or yarn or pmpm whatever you want to use um, and then that gets somehow connected to the CLI uh, it, it uses the same concept as auto linking but it's slightly different for CLI only um, but preferably, we just have one tool where you just go for debugging and it has everything that you need. Uh, that's, I think, the end goal right here, right now with the with the plugins. 
Yeah, I think that's a that's a very great goal, and I think something we can all agree on because yeah, just like in the browser, I got everything in there, like all the different tabs for for debugging. And I had the same for my React Native app, including like Zustand debugging, something I tried the other day, like just state management stuff. And that would be amazing. You you recently said in a tweet something about yeah, it's only it's still a bit wonky. Uh, that's related to MS itself. More on news on that relatively soon. Are there already news on that? Um, <laughs> I think there was uh, referring your uh, talk about VS Code debugging. Uh, yeah. FJS. Yeah. So okay. So like I said, the VS Code extension just reuses the existing debugger for Node and connects it through the CDP protocol that's available now in Hermes. Right. Um, the implementation there is like the debugger part exist within Hermes itself since it really needs to go all the way down to the execution so you can pass uh, on whatever breakpoint you want to hit uh, yeah. and that has to be very low level inside the engine. Then everything around that is pretty much implemented in React Native itself but there are some like weirdness right now um, that I mean that shows up in different or various unexpected behaviors like one of them for example is if you connect your device um, or an emulator and simulator and reload the app fully without restarting the bundler your device gets a different device identifier um, <laughs> so you have to reopen the dev tools as well which is like one of my most annoyed issue right now uh, I'm very not happy about that but um, I actually upstreamed some changes to Metro for that. I hope like that will be upstreamed to React Native as well, since well we want to use client identifiers instead. So whenever you open your app, you can just reload it however you how much how often you want. It can crash without like problems. You can just open it again without having to reload the whole Catam debugger. Um, but I mean, besides that, there are like other weirdness and really, really technical issues uh, that might affect how the debuggers are binding certain breakpoints. Um, for that, like, we're just gathering the feedback that we get and trying to reproduce it, and everything reproducible gets like shared with the Hermes team, with the Rig Native team, uh, in order for everyone to like get a get a very very smooth experience there so for example if the logs are not popping up it could be that it could be the issue that i described first that the device id is a wrong one and that mm -hmm. the debugger is connected to a wrong socket or if the breakpoints don't bind or it stops on a very like wrong position in the code it's related to the other issue that i just mentioned um and there are there are plenty more probably that we haven't figured out yet so it's still early. Um, it is there. It should work. It should work to a certain extent where if you restart everything and reopen everything and just work from there, everything should work. Um, but there are some interesting things when you have it open for longer, made some changes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, I think that's fair enough because yeah, as you said, early days and. Same for Expo Router. It's also early days for Expo Router, and although it's awesome, there are some edge cases which don't really work well yet. Yeah. Um, but I, that really gives me hope for uh, debugging React Native applications in the future. Um, so before we uh, move on into like the last section, I want to uh, cover one more topic with you because I read this recently. 
There's an interesting package called Native Wind, uh, which gets a lot of attention lately because it brings Tailwind, which by now either people hate it or love it, um, but it brings Tailwind to React Native, which is in itself pretty cool. Uh, now, I read on, I think it read it as well, in a somewhat of a spicy comment that the creator of Native Wind joined Expo. First of all, I think that's that's not a secret, right? No, it is not a secret. Yeah. Uh, what, what was his name? Sorry. Mark Lawler. Yeah, he deserves some. Right. <laughs> yeah, he, he deserves some honor for native wind in general. Yes. Um, what is the plan? Like, does Expo have any plans for native wind, or will native wind continue to be its own thing? Or because some people said in that radio, oh, maybe Expo is using native wind and integrating it somehow. Like, do you know anything about the whole Casa native wind? Uh yes. So first let's like before I answer that, like let's let's take a step back because this is like uh a library that has been developed independently from Expo. Uh it's a super awesome library that indeed adds support to for Tailwind to React Native, which is pretty nice, like in general. I, I really love Tailwind. Um so yeah, I, I've used it, I liked it. But as with many packages that has been developed externally from Expo, um, Expo can sponsor it. Like, for example, not a lot of people know about the origin of React Navigation, right? Uh, do, do you know anything no. about that? Okay, so originally it was started at Meta, uh, I think by Eric Vincetti, uh, if I pronounce that right as well. Uh, and then I think Brent started to work with him on that as well eventually it like got fully moved over to expo uh, as in it was still an external library but we sponsored the whole development of it so it's kind of like an an expo expo sponsored technology mm -hmm. um i would say like maybe tailwind is or sorry maybe native wind isn't sponsored yet but it's definitely like on our radar in terms of what we look at, uh, what we can improve in the project workflow, because not only is Tailwind like a, like a useful utility CSS system, um, it could also be like a very very good in between layer, just like Tamagui is in different ways, uh, for users to style things universally. Um, and I'm saying that universally because. With Expo Router, we also want to have proper and good web support, right? Um, so with Expo Router, I think we're actually looking into supporting CSS, or that's already supported right now. Yeah, I think uh, it is on web. Uh, but that's just like that's one out of three, right? Um, yeah. So Native Wind can help there definitely to have that once like one way to write your apps and have it as an Android, iOS, and web app. Um, there are some things that are interesting that coming into native Win v4 so i would definitely encourage to keep an eye out when that's out i think we're like i think mark still needs to fix or we still need to fix some bugs around that um but think of like uh things like animate animate bounce like that that doesn't work in native right yeah i've, or, I've or seen really. i think a tweet from from mark where he used Tailwind animations and they were actually using reanimated under the hood. So actually running this like in native land, uh, which is like 
super crazy if you think about it. Like it comes from Tailwind and then goes all the way down yeah. uh, to be really performant animations. Yeah, exactly. And like there are some other things there as well, but I don't want to spoil like the, the launch. <laughs> uh, but there are other things as well that people now do manually. Um, think of like reanimated, think of other things like uh, making sure you have certain event listeners to mark things as focused. That's like, that's kind of a pain, right? Um, and with web, you can just like add those events to every element. Native Wind is got like is trying to automate that away for you. So instead of having to write the raw animation through reanimated or having to structure your components or your elements differently to trigger certain events, that's automated away. And because it's automated automated away, it can also be optimized. And that's mm -hmm. exactly where Native Wind V4 is going to focus or shine on. I think. Nice. Do do you have like a rough date or do you internally like no. will it be this year? I hope so. I hope I really hope okay. so, but I have no idea. Um Okay. But like one other thing that might be good to mention is like whenever you do everything manually, right? Whenever you have to reanimate its animations and you want to make it work on web, you're basically using reanimated again, right? Because well, mm -hmm. you already have that large chunk of code. And this is interesting because this is exactly where universal or being native to the platform comes in because the native wind on web, when we render with expert router or Metro web in general, um, it is just CSS. It's literally just tailwind. Like there's no, there's no reanimated. There's no uh, weird thing from react native. It's literally just CSS and your keyframes. And I think that's like the proper being native to the platform um, because well like reanimated it's nice to have a work on web but we already have css animations right right so. yeah it, it sounds to me like you're also really like interested in expo for the web uh, I, I'm, I'm curious because i've seen expo for the web and usually people say Nah, I would rather go Next.js and use Tamagui and Solito, but you, you seem to be really bold on like, I mean, Expo Router is great for that and it allows to do Expo for the web. However, I I don't know, like you, you still think this, this will be accepted, the accepted way? <laughs> I mean, like Next.js and all the other frameworks are like ahead of us, right? They are... They had a really good for web for web exactly yeah yeah for web they're ahead of us they have a really good start they had they didn't have to worry about like upgrading native all the time so <laughs> they were not like slowed down a, a background it. location you know? <laughs> <laughs> or that android background location yeah exactly um but i mean over time i think that expert router could be a suitable option for web if, for like most of the cases I mean, if you want to do like really, really crazy stuff with uh, edge functions, uh, with, um, yeah, I don't know, uh, serverless functions, then, okay, yeah, Next.js or, or even Astro or, or Svelte might be a better fit for now. Um, but I really hope that we can catch up one day. And when we do, that's like, then, then it's going to be one of the, the many options you can pick for web right now. But one of the few that actually works very very well in native right yeah yeah that's that's going to be what makes you stand out and i assume you will you would have a hard time implementing something like the api folder that swelt kit and next.js have because it's 
it's so so far fetched from native development because you you have nothing like that in native it, development. Yeah, exactly. Like it's super far fetched, right? But have you like how many times do you make an app that doesn't require an API? Like uh, often you need one, right? Right. Yeah. So definitely. It doesn't make any sense for us not to try it because it's such an integral part of uh, development in general, app development in general. Um, I mean, you, you could just say like you can plug all you can always plug in your API if it's a different system. So not everyone wants to build a big Next.js application which has these API routes. Like people have Java servers, Rust servers, Go, whatever, That's greetings true. to the primogen. Um, <laughs> so do, do you really want like to get into that field of also enabling developers to build sort of API functions? I would say yes, like why not? Um, but that being said, it shouldn't be the only option you have with Expo. Like it shouldn't be uh, use everything from Expo and nothing else. Like if you have a, a Java, Rust, Go, uh, Haskell, Elixir <laughs> server, then go ahead and use PHP. that. PHP. PHP, yeah. Uh, I originally come from PHP, so definitely that one. Um, but definitely use that instead. Uh, the thing that we want to do is give like give enough tooling, give enough uh, features around the tool or in the toolbox for users to create like awesome apps and without all the trouble that you would have if you go either native or uh, if you go web first and then try to port it to native. Um, but pretty much like everything around app development is available and you can implement whatever you want to implement. You can externalize whatever you want, um, but it should be there as an option, I believe. Yeah, that, that, that's that's awesome. Awesome last words for the podcast, because I think that rounds up the, the Expo vision in itself. Um, I mean, to be honest, it's a quite big vision uh, for, for a small team yet. Yes. Um, that probably requires you to at least double or triple in, in team size at some point which is then in turn going to bring new problems um, in terms of your culture. But Speaking of, uh, if you have a great idea and want to work at Expo, contact me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very well. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put a link in the in the show notes to the Cedric as well <laughs> so, so people can find you. Um, awesome. I would love to end this with, uh, we have a quick question around, but before we get into that, uh, because you are like from the core of Expo. I would really love to know what people can expect from Expo in the rest of 2023, because we still got a few months left. And from what I've seen, that means we're going to have SDK 50 <laughs> somewhere around the corner. And also probably like what's next for 2024, any like one or two major or bigger projects you're you're really invested in. Um, I mean, there are definitely updates around Expo Router. Um, mainly including API routes, possibly. I really hope so, but oh, already maybe. Uh, we're not sure yet. Uh, then we have native Win V4, which is interesting. Um, I am uh, doing a lot of work at the moment on Snack, uh, so that gets finally some love, so much deserved uh, love. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, I wanted to put this in my questions. Like, Snack looks so so old school, yes. yet it is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it will get like 
more love. Yeah, it, it, it it's it's getting so much loved attention right now. So that's good. Uh, and then for SDK 50, um, I don't exactly know the bigger changes. I think SDK 50 is really going to focus on cleaning up um, some some long old things that we wanted to clean up like expo classic updates which are not be like which you cannot you cannot you can already not publish anymore through the old cli since we deprecated the whole service but since sdk 50 we're going to remove the loading code for the classic updates as well um so if you haven't upgraded yet do it because you're not gonna <laughs> you're not be able to load your updates anymore um but that's that's pretty much around I would say that's it for now. I mean, there are some other things, but they're unclear yet. Other bigger things, but I'm not sure if I can t talk about that yet. Yeah, and during the Expo launch party, um, I talked with Aaron also about like the SQLite stuff you're doing. I assume that might actually be something bigger you're working on with the uh, cloud database sync and offline first applications. Of course, Expo router, debugging, snack, uh, EAS improvements. So I feel like there's uh, a lot coming to Expo over the next time. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's great. So that was awesome. Uh, thank you already for all of the insights, Cedric. And no I would love to wrap this up with a quick question round. So we got five quick questions for you. Actually, I must say I, I swapped out the last question uh, because I didn't like what I had before and I adopted some, uh, something from the Oh, what's the podcast from Jack Harrington, the new with Paige and TJ Fantol, uh, Front and Fire, I think uh, they had this question. So the fifth question, uh, kudos to the team from Front and Fire. But anyway, first question, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, that's, oh man, I can't answer that. I, I would say since <laughs> after Disney, I would say Star Trek. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, fair enough. That's uh, what somebody else also said. <laughs> uh, second, Mac or Windows? I'm, I literally have both here. I need to test them both. <laughs> Universal <laughs> development doesn't only work on macOS. It also has to work on Windows. So, so Windows. So funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're taking a bold stand here, yes. my friend. Yes. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been Mac only for, I don't know, like the last 10 years. So that's also why I said, like, just use uh, EAS local and you say you can't do that on Windows. And I'm yeah. like, ah, okay, that's, that's a good point. All right, um, your favorite IDE. Uh, I mean, got to be cliche here. Uh, VS Code, but but uh, I would say Sublime was my first love. Oh, your first love! I, I can't remember. Like, yeah, well, there was Tex Wrangler as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sublime, Atom. We had good times. Tex made. Yeah, I will go to all times. Um, the latest discovered package, library, or service uh, around React Native or in general app development that you found over the last days, weeks. Um, and yes, you can plug your own stuff. I mean, there are so many, there are so many, so many services or packages in general that I see that I don't take it in anymore. I mean, like uh, Mark, Mark Wusafi has a lot of really cool and really complex packages. Uh, Software Mention maintains uh, the the core packages from React Native in general, like React Native screens, reanimated. It's all them. Um, and like we basically maintain the boring ones that just should work and just should be there. Um, 
So yeah, and you get you get all the all the bad critic then. Oh yeah, everyone yeah. else gets the fail. If if one thing doesn't work in any of those packages, well, we get the full the full load. <laughs> I I got a quote a Reddit thread from the other day, which read: "Expo devs slash maintainers are the lowest class." These are not <laughs> my words. That was a Reddit rant about Ouch. Expo just intentionally shutting down like issues and saying this was fixed or updating and breaking everything. So yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a fair point in there, right? So usually when we, when we fix something, we either backport it to an SDK version or we leave it in for the next release. And I think we could do a better job there where we release more often. Uh, not necessarily big SDK changes, but more like those patches. And we are actually working on that internally to simplify that process. So whenever there is a fix available, people can just release it right away. So it's a fair point, And I agree with that. We're working on it, but I mean, the statement is a bit, it's a bit of, it's a bit, it's a bit painful in some way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Welcome to open source, right? <laughs> exactly. It's open source. Yeah. Feel free. Yeah. But, but that's good to know that you actually admit, admit that you're could doing a better job and actually address it internally. So yeah, to, if you're listening, whoever brought up this, uh, Expo is working on this. Okay. Last question. Something that made you happy this week. Um, I was doing a really big change in snack. Um, and after like, after changing 31,000 lines, it worked. So <laughs> that got me very excited and very happy. Oh yeah, that, that's exactly why we came here for development. So when we started recording, we were both on like, uh, I wouldn't say a bad tune, but I was working on background. Uh, notifications and stuff the whole day and it just didn't work at all like I wanted and you also had a desktop which looks like a war zone as you said so yes uh, we, we, we need to share these happy moments more often so yeah. I'm gonna end this this podcast on a very positive note so thank you once again Cedric thank this was you. awesome uh, I'd love to bring on more people from the team so I hope to see Evan one day um, and you also have some some other people on Expo that definitely deserve to be on the podcast. Yes. So where can people find more about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm mostly active on Twitter. I do have a Blue Sky, but uh, it's Cedric underscore dev. Uh, and on Blue Sky, it's actually Cedric.dev, which is also my site. The ad protocol is really, really cool. Um, that's pretty much where you can find me. That's awesome. And by the way, Dan Abramov joined Blue Sky yes. and is working on the React Native yes. app. Yes, the, 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 the Expo React Native app. Um, so now there are two people working in total on the Blue Sky app, which works on Android, iOS, and web. So a two-people team to take on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. Um, that's impressive. Right, right. Uh, I'm going to talk with Evan about weapon and PWAs. That's a whole nother topic. Yes. But anyway, thanks again, Cedric. Thank you. Uh, if you want to check, find out more about me, you can find me at galaxies.dev. I upload courses every month. We already have all the React Native essentials, a lot about Expo, including push notifications, getting started and uh, whatnot. Check it out, galaxies.dev. And yeah, well, thanks, Cedric. It was an honor to have you. Pleasure was mine.